Hello and welcome to Nodicast, a podcast on nonlinear dynamics, the essential theory that governs pretty much everything on Earth and beyond. I'm C. Nararaj of Villanova University, senior editor and host of Nodicast. Nodicast is an outreach of nonlinear dynamics, the journal published by Springer Nature. This is a two-part episode of Nodicast, and we will focus today on chaos theory. At this point in time, pretty much every literate individual on the planet has heard of chaos theory, thanks to the frequent references in the popular, non-scientific media and best-selling books like James Gleick's Chaos, The Making of a New Science, published almost 25 years ago. The concept of chaos and sensitive dependence on initial conditions so fascinates the public imagination that the word butterfly effect has become a part of the common lexicon, leading to at least two popular movies by that name. Well, sorry to disappoint you, but we're not going to be talking about movies today. (laughs) Instead, we're going to try to gain some insight into the science of chaos theory and hope that the listeners will be motivated so much that they will go delving further into the technical papers. I'm really excited to have an expert panel today to help us do just that. We are indeed fortunate to have Professor Celso Graboji, a noted dynamicist, who has been a significant contributor and a front row witness, if you will, to the evolution of chaos theory over the past four decades. He is the sixth century chair in nonlinear and complex systems at the Institute for Complex Systems and Mathematical Biology in King's College at the University of Aberdeen. Professor Greboji's research involves bridging the gap between abstract concepts from mathematics and a wide set of applications in scientific and social disciplines, engineering, and medicine. Next, we have Professor Laura Gardini, who is the Professor of Mathematics for Economics in the Department DESP, University of Urbino, Italy. She specializes in dynamical systems and their applications to modeling and dynamic evolution in economic, financial, social, biological, and physical systems. We also have Professor Stefano Lenci, who is with the Department of Civil and Building Engineering and Architecture at the Polytechnic University of Marche in Italy. Professor Lenci's research is focused on the investigation of several aspects of nonlinear dynamics and chaos various mechanical systems and models. Finally, myself, your host, is the Moritz Endowed Professor of Engineered Systems at Villanova University in US, and I also direct an interdisciplinary research center called Villanova Center for Analytics of Dynamic Systems, or VCADS. My current research interest is to explore and exploit nonlinear dynamics for design, diagnostics, and control of practical systems in engineering and medicine. Web links to all the panelists can be found on our website nodicast.org or nodycast.org. Today, we aim to talk a little bit about the history and future of chaos theory. What we do know and what we don't know, how do we control chaos, 
What are the common misconceptions about chaos? Intersections with other fields? Speculations about the future? And finish up by giving suggestions to junior and perhaps not so junior researchers on where they may want to pursue further research. I think you'll find this conversation will give you a lot of useful information, but more importantly, I think you'll find it fascinating. The nonlinear dynamics community lost a beloved colleague, Professor Jose Tenreiro Machado, Principal Coordinate Professor of Electrical Engineering at University of Porto in Portugal. I personally came to know him very well over the past two years, working together along with Professors La Carbonara and Ma on a special issue for modeling and analysis of COVID. He was also a panelist on the first two episodes of Nodicast. We're really sorry to be losing a vibrant, gregarious and accomplished colleague and we'll miss him very much. We humbly dedicate this episode of Nodicast to Professor Machado's memory. Thank you. So I would like to get started with today's episode by welcoming our distinguished panel. I thought it's maybe good to start with a little bit of uh, history of chaos theory. Um, and I think this is a great uh, panel to start that out with. Um, uh, Celso, you want to start off with uh, uh, maybe talk about what are the early developments of chaos theory? Yeah, I was going to leave to the ladies, but anyway. Um, uh, I think, it's, it's left to you. <laughs> I, I think to, to understand the history of chaos, I would like in some way to follow the tradition of nonlinear dynamics. It is a tradition that started with James Clerk Maxwell in the mid-1850s, uh, while he was a professor here at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. He was working, among other things, uh, in the theory of ideal gases. He did many other things. But Maxwell, perhaps you may know, uh, is best remembered for his contribution in electromagnetism, the famous, as you know, the Maxwell's equations. He lived at the time in which the intellectual world was concerned with, uh, with uh, predictability, a clockwork universe. Yet he had the independence of mind not to agree both in his scientific writing or in philosophical writing about that. And uh, Marx was the first person to understand systems that we call now having sensitive dependence on the initial conditions. Uh, they are systems having unpredictability, which is, as we know, the hallmark of chaos. <laughs> In his own words, he argued the following, when an infinitely small, let me read here, variation in the present state, may bring about finite difference in the state of the system in a finite time. The condition renders impossible the pro prediction of future events. Well, that is the unpredictability of chaos. Let me just continue a little bit. At, this, at the end of the same century, the 18th century, now a mathematician that we know, Henri Poincaré, studied the dynamics of three-body system, which is the sun, the earth, and the moon, 
also recognize the importance of systems having sensitive dependence on the initial conditions. In many of the concepts, concepts suggested by Poincaré, 125 years ago, we used today to study our systems. And I just want to mention also that, unfortunately, the work of Marshall Poincaré led to cautious, rigorous study of low-dimensional systems by the mathematicians working theory of dynamical systems during most of the 20th century. We find there none of the, let's say, the bold, intuitive philosophical generalizations that Maxwell and Poincaré found that were justified. And I can continue with that, but I think we should have perhaps... Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you, Celso. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say uh, maybe uh, that came as a surprise to me because I always thought Poincaré was the origin of nonlinear. I wasn't aware of Maxwell's. So was that was he looking in particular at electromagnetics to talk about nonlinear no, no, dynamics? No, no, no. Look, <laughs> this this quote: when a small, infinite, when an infinitely small vi variation in the present state may bring about a finite difference in the state of the system. In a finite time, the condition renders impossible the prediction of the future events. Poincaré restated the statement in 2008. It's exactly the same. The same as uh, Maxwell. Now, Maxwell, Maxwell, that's very interesting. Yeah, he, he worked quite a lot on this. And, uh, mm -hmm. and they gave a very interesting example. It was the time, the mid of the 19th century, when UK develop, was developing the train. He said, if you change the points, the points, you know, you change the direction of the track, you change the points, as a small perturbation, what is going to do? The train, instead of following its proper course, is going to go another track and cause a major collision. And it did not because of the theory of electromagnetism, but because it was studying the theory of gases. The gases, mm -hmm. you're talking about molecules colliding, then he knew that a small change, it was called the impact parameter, small change in the initial condition, the deflection angle is the same size of all the angles. It's, the deflection angle can be anything from zero to 180 degrees. The small perturbation in the impact parameter will cause major at later times. That's what leads to unpredictability. That's very interesting. <clears throat> and uh, Chelsea, are you aware if Poincaré was aware of the Maxwell work or was in the independent thinking? Uh, at least. Because, you know, the... Maxwell was very famous, so it's uh, yeah. not nobody Maxwell. So. He should be aware because not only Poincaré, Einstein, when he, he built, when he laid out the theory of relativity, the special theory of relativity, one assumption that he made that was quite risky is that the velocity of light is a constant, and that comes from Maxwell's equations. Then Einstein knew in Poincaré is all that intellectual world of that time. He might have known, and not only that, the quote by Poincaré about sensitivity depends on initial conditions 
is the quote by Maxwell. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, by the way, this there is a, 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 a publication by Jim York in one of mm -hmm. his former students, uh, Brian Hunt, and the Mathematical Monthly about the work of Maxwell on chaos, the initial work. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll try to put a link to that article. That'd be interesting. Uh, Laura, did you, you were going to say something? Yes, I think that indeed in, in the history of uh, relevant uh, successful thinking, uh, there are such kinds of um, elements which are taken one from the other after 20, sure. 25 years. And, but I think that uh, regarding this uh, subject of chaos, indeed, uh, it was just uh, the work by uh, not Maxwell, but uh, this of Pancare, which uh, spread very much uh, the knowledge mm -hmm. of this kind of study in, of the qualitative theory of dynamical systems. So this was a, a breakthrough in the, in the uh, subject, in this uh, stuff. Uh, while, even if it is true that Maxwell was the first, it had not so great impact on among uh, scholars of that time. While the work of uh, Poincaré had a great impact in the year after through other scholars and so um, this was uh, i think the, the main difference between the first and the second so to say and so after after poincare birkov and a lot of names uh, started this uh, this subject and these uh, this kind of studies will never stop because uh, they are so much uh, now developed and known and so intrinsically uh, entering every every kind of uh, sort of uh, mathematical studies of nature science uh, application and so sure. Poincaré was a I think the uh, the one which gave uh, uh, a lot of uh, Impulse and so these uh, impetus, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So after Poincaré, my my sense is that there was sort of a lull in it until Lorenz. Is that yeah. is that accurate? Yeah, <laughs> not really, totally correct. The <clears throat> what's happening, Laura is correct, but the people that got involved because they motivated by Poincaré and so on were the mathematicians studying very mm. low dimensional systems, very particular in uh, dynamics called hyperbolic systems, <clears throat> which are not re relevant to applications. And uh, before the Lawrence work, <clears throat> were a couple of very important work, perhaps three works. Uh, during the Second World War, uh, UK was trying to develop the radar to detect the V1, V2 bombers. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the oscillations of the potential, the magnetron, which produced the high-frequency beam, is a damped force Van der Waal equation. And two British mathematicians, uh, Cartwright and Littlewood, studied the dynamics of the force Van der Waal equation. And they found a periodic solution that we know today to be a transient chaos. A little bit late, that was in 1945 published. In 1949, Levinson uh, assumed a very simple form for the forcing potential. He got solution, the closed form, which lets Mayo 
know, the Steve Smale in Berkeley to introduce the horseshoe map. A mm, wonderful yes. mathematical work. And the proof of the existence of a horseshoe in the dynamics is the proof of the existence of chaos. Chaos, that yes, comes, that's right. Comes Lorenzia. Yes. Lorenz, oh, okay. Well, if yeah. I, I think that there was also um, a branch of uh, interest on the applications in Russia, because at this time, Andronov and the other mm. Russians were studying uh, applications, they really started from the applications and the uh, qualitative theory of dynamical system where had a, gra a great impact in their works. And, so, uh, so, so like Andronov and... Uh, yes, yes. Arnold. In Gorky, the Gorky School and also other, other scholars, now I don't remember, let me... Uh, well, in, in Russia, in Moscow also. And they mm -hmm. were um, involved in uh, mechanical systems. Mechanical mm -hmm. systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was a big was focus. This was in the years uh, from the 30, 40, 50. And so mm -hmm. I think that it is a kind of, uh, at the same time, in several countries, people which are not knowing each other are developing and considering things which are related uh, in the same, uh, to the same philosophical stuff in the dynamical system and case theory. And sure. not only, in, also in Germany, in France, in, um, I think that during the years 30, 40, 50, not only Levington, but also other people were really studying applications of, and, and so dynamical dynamical systems and uh, realizing a chaos and uh, the qualitative theory of dynamical system in the line of Poincaré. And I think that it is uh, before reaching, before arriving in uh, Lawrence and Smale, uh, <laughs> there are a lot of material and so a, a lot of papers uh, really important uh, with respect to chaos theory. Yeah, but sure, the, sure. Uh, you're correct, but the work, for instance, if you take Komogorov, Arnold and Mosin, which was later, it was not really a work that led to chaotic dynamics. This, in some sense, is a very important. Is two different ways of looking at the mathematics of those systems. One is measure theoretical, which is the Russian. Another is the topological one, doing by the yes. people here in the West. You no, know, like. Including one of the Russians, Anozov, also used the same one as, as Mayo and the other researchers, yeah. <laughs> including the Brazilian one, by the way. In the same years, uh, let, uh, let me say, sixty from 60 to 65, uh, both in Russia, in, in Germany, in France, and the USA, there were people working on this. In Shilnikov, uh, uh, May, um, there were um, Mirberg, uh, uh, people which were doing uh, this stuff from the chaos theory. And so the first, uh, the, how to say, Smail gave uh, a, a very beautiful and elegant way so to follow this uh, topological stuff. But mm -hmm. for example, uh, Mirberg in 60, in 59, 59, was completely describing the, uh, all the bifurcation structure in the logistic, which was not known as logistic, but it was the logistic, completely described by using uh, zero one. And so <laughs> hmm. this was perfectly understood. 
just from uh, in uh, 59, it was his first paper. So we have to think that indeed the people which were not aware of each other were developing interesting things altogether far away from each other. So uh, maybe um, we've discussed a lot about the history. Uh, I'm sure we can we can discuss a lot more. But uh, maybe moving on to um, you know recent years, uh, what do we? Um, what what is the state of research? Like, what do we know now uh, about you know chaos theory, and um, you know where is it? Uh, what do we not know? What are the big you know like in physics? Uh, in sort of pure physics, they always put up unsolved problems for the next century. Uh, in in sometimes in uh, number theory, you know they say these are the problems that we need to solve over the next hundred years. So, what would be the problems that we could pose from the point of view of perhaps generally nonlinear dynamics, but more particularly chaos theory? That um, you know, which are the what are the unsolved problems? What are the big big problems? Can we kind of speculate on this? <clears throat> I can say something in this respect. I would like to, to talk for, from my point of view, I'm an engineer in basically. So for sure, there will be a lot of, uh, let's say, uh, theoretical result that can be found again, but maybe Chelsea can, uh, can better reply to this than me. I believe that we still be some, let's say, uh, exploiting chaos that's what what i mean i mean we know that much we know a lot of property we know that uh, uh, how it works we know that it is everywhere we know that many mechanical system economic system uh, mathematical poorly mathematical system uh, biological system have this behavior but very very few people try to use it to exploit it and so mm -hmm. that's what we are still uh, missing in some sense, and uh, what we do not know how to do with it in some sense. We are doing something. I'm not saying that we are not doing nothing. But my point of view is that we can do much more with chaos, much, much more. We need to use it. I, I, I love that, because uh, especially because a lot of my research is really focusing on exploiting nonlinear dynamics for engineering uh, system design, optimization, diagnostics, we found that exploit, exploitation of nonlinear dynamic principles suddenly gives you a much better picture of what a system looks like internally, you know, for diagnostics and prognostics, that's been my focus. So I, I love this idea, but, uh, but um, it'd be interesting to talk about exploiting chaos in particular. I know there's been some work on using it for cryptography, right, which we would yeah, come sure. under exploitation. So. Uh, for mix it and well as well for mix it but not really let's say uh, a strong robust research research field that's my viewpoint right i think also energy harvesting you know we exploit nonlinear dynamics a little bit nonlinear dynamics not yet cows they are exploiting internal resonances uh, so yes, trying to yeah. enlarge the bandwidth uh, yeah yeah they are exploiting nonlinear phenomena but to the best of my knowledge, not that much chaos, not that much chaos. In spite that's of the fact excellent. that chaos has some yeah. potentialities to be exploited, to be used. That's my feeling. That's excellent. Yeah, excellent point. Uh, no, the, so? yeah, no, this, see, we, we're, yeah, we talk about the early, but you know, there is so much development chaotic dynamics that happen 
uh, after Lorenz, the name itself, Chaos. Chaos was given by Jim York, as you know. Uh, oh, yes. The Russians were using a periodicity, other people irregularity, plasma physics, physics, intrinsic stochasticity, and then the applications people. It's in the engineer, the physicists, the astronomers, developed quite a lot of the field. And, uh, and part of this development was the part of data, data analysis. Because the systems are nonlinear, we cannot get solution in closed form. Since the early times, the use of data to understand, to analyze, to observe, to make predictions, eventually to control the system, is done since the, the beginning, no? And uh, in that all started with the work of Floris Takins in the Netherlands. And uh, then the things moved, came the 21st century, we're talking about the next step in nonlinearity, which is complexity. The complexity means large system, system made of many parts, means networks, and again, data analysis is at the center of everything. You can do model-based data analysis where you know there is a model or database modeling in which the model resides in the data. And this is absolutely incredibly important field for the engineers, for the biologists, for the applications people. No? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I so, totally agree indeed. And also different kinds of application as, for example, in social sciences and economy, in, mainly in financial markets, to analyze data is one of the main things that they have to do. And chaos is everywhere because every day when they are, are analyzing data and the behavior of uh, bull and bear and so this kind of uh, stuff, and so chaos is uh, at uh, and they are everyday stuff indeed. And so they are trying to model uh, with um, different kind of systems, but uh, chaos is uh, one of the first uh, things, especially in uh, financial markets. But not only because also, as, as uh, you have said, in biology, in, uh, yes. in different applications, we have uh, this behavior in chemistry and, and also economics, indeed, because uh, when we have... Uh, Okay, in uh, different kind, different is the time scale, but uh, shocks uh, happens, and we know very well not only the shocks of COVID, the shocks of uh, uh, in uh, in nineteen in eighty nine, and there are shocks which uh, are creating uh, this kind of phenomena which are different to control to predict. And indeed, also in that case, a different, just a small difference in the initial condition leads to a completely different uh, uh, dynamic yes, behavior. Yes. And so chaos is really everywhere in our uh, real life in our real life well you know i have to say as a as a professor who's only savings is in retirement funds it's the most the scariest chaos for me is the is the financial market <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the one that i'm most afraid of because i hate to look at my retirement stock and you know uh, you know you're yeah. trying to do predictive analytics of that is has been a hopeless task Are you a child? So, too you're too young for that <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> I, nah. I think at some point i'd be too old to worry about it <laughs> also there is some age <laughs> this is a good point for us to take a break 
we'll be right back after this announcement you are listening to nodicast a lively podcast on nonlinear dynamics covering the latest research on new methods exciting applications and breakthroughs i'm c nadaraj from villanova university your host nodicast is an outreach of nonlinear dynamics the journal published by springer nature Okay now let's get back to our conversation. Now if you allow me I would like to ask Chelsea to go ahead with the history after let's say Lawrence because you know he was part of that you have to be honest he was part of that and that was extremely exciting period and likely not the young people can read from there <laughs> and it's better if they can listen directly from Chelsea. So if That's you don't perfect. mind, uh, Nat, and if, if Chelsea is okay, and Laura as well, of course, yes. I would like to, to, really, I would like to hear from him about, uh, from Lawrence to, let's say, to 2000, let's say, not not only to today, but because, uh, you know, that yes, would be please. very yeah. useful for young people listen to us. It's not, Absolutely. I mean, there are some uh, books like this one, maybe, of course, you know, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Here in Florence could be very very interesting for young people. No, we have we have a, you know a legend here. So go please uh, absolutely. <clears throat> no, the <clears throat> Yeah, after it's in the okay, I'm sorry. The Lorian Edward Lawrence, the MIT, he was a meteorolog- meteorologist. What he, he took he took the question that described the Bernard convection of atmospheric flow reduce this infinite dimensional system, which is a couple set of partial differential equations, is the Navier equations of fluid flow and mm-hmm. the transport of energy, and reduced to a three-dimensional system. The variables were the wind velocity, difference of temperature, temperature gradient. And he went to the computer, and he got what we know today to be the Lorentz attractor. Mm-hmm. What happened? Other people were getting attractors like that. But the difference is that Lorentz, he had a background in mathematics. And he knew the theory of dynamical systems. And then he went there, he made a tremendous mathematical analysis. From that three-dimensional picture, he reduced to one-dimensional map. Was it like a tent map with a cusp on the top? and analyze deeply. What happened is work published in 1964, his work was completely forgotten. Until in mid-70s, 1970s, Jim York looked at that work and brought to the applications people. And suddenly people start finding that chaos all over. And uh, and at that time, Jim York also wrote the paper, you know, period three implies chaos, which gave the name to this field and all the disciplines worldwide. But uh, I got a little bit distracted here. Uh, yeah, but what's interesting, I organized a meeting uh, for the United Nations in Tokyo about the impact of chaos and science in society was at the 70th anniversary of uh, Mauricio Peixoto, very important mm-hmm. mathematician, which created very important 
a dynamical center in Rio. He came to me, Cel, he said, Celso, the mathematicians, I think, he was thinking about the ones I was talking before, did not think dynamical sense would be so important for applications. But after that, the Jim York brought this to applications people, chaos was found everywhere. And people <laughs> not looking as they find the chaotic dynamic, but analyzing and, and spelling out different new phenomena in the theory of chaotic dynamics. And that was the last quarter of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So, so when we're on the topic, uh, so maybe you can talk about the, uh, your uh, chaos control, famous chaos control paper, uh, because that was part of this development, um, you know, as Stefano was talking about, and how that came about and what, uh, you know, what yeah, the implications were. Yeah, basically, the, say I joined the University of Maryland that... Uh, Walter Car- La Carbonara mentioned the Institute for Physical Science Technology. Jim York was there, I was there, and we also collaborate with Edward Ott in electrical engineering. And we typically would meet after lunch and just talk, nothing specially. Then we realized, we came to know that there was a book by, by gosh, I forgot his name, by the famous British physicist uh, called Infinite in All Directions, in which he stated that chaos cannot be controlled, which is correct, was correct, because if you perturb dynamical systems, you perturb all the invariant structure, the position of the, the periodic orbits, the manifolds, everything is perturbed. However, then we look at the details of a chaotic system, a chaotic attractor. And based on that, then we saw that, oh, we can do something. And that's what we call the control of chaos. And uh, in doing that, we, we proposed some simple method that became the OGY method. But we only proposed in order as a proof of principle that this can work. And also we did based uh, on data but immediately, right after a group of physicists in Brazil, less than a year later, published physical review letters using our method and showing that is applicable to experimental systems. And immediately, right after, came uh, the control of the heart by, in the UCLA Medical Center, then control <laughs> of the brain in the Washington Children's Hospital, and there were so many publications right after. But that... We did that work without thinking that would result in anything. It was just for us it was a curiosity. We thought many of the oh, other works that we, that we did was more important. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, you know that is fascinating because a lot of the, um, you know, that's how that's how a lot of the important developments start. You know, with yeah, the uh, physicist. His name was Freeman Dyson. It's quite well-known physicist. Yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. For a minute, I was thinking you were talking about Penrose, but not Penrose. No, as a no, mathematician. Yeah. That wrote, yeah. He wrote many yeah. books. I met him a yeah, few yeah, times. Yeah. He's an incredible man. Yeah. <clears throat> Can it be used so, also in mechanical systems as this control in, uh, yeah. to control uh, uh, for um, other kinds of application in, uh, which you know better than me? 
No, they, they, no one, one of the first experiments was done at the Navy lab. I think it was the second experiment. Was a, a magneto-elastic ribbon. It's elastic ribbon. You know, then you just fix the ribbon the, uh, by a clump at the bottom, and this ribbon oscillates back and forth. <laughs> and they did, and the oscillation was in a magnetic field. It's a very complicated sy system because it's magnetoelastic. It means the equation of elasticity and the equations of electromagnetism. <laughs> Couple infinite dimensional system. And by just looking at the dynamics, look at the movement of the, this magnetoelastic ribbon, they control the dynamics. This magnetoelastic was very important. With a very small magnetic field, you can change the elasticity, the Young's module of the ribbon. Then mm -hmm. the US Navy used that to launch torpedoes. The mm -hmm. torpedo is sitting in the bottom of the sea. Suddenly, a ship passes over change the magnetic field slightly, and the torpedo goes and destroys the ship. Mm -hmm. And this experiment was done at the Navy, and was, to speak, the second experiment done controlling chaos. This complicated system, then they could manipulate. First, you learn about the system using data, you find the eigenvalues, you use error theory, and you control chaos. Find the period one, period three, get chaos back to period one, and so on. Yeah. This is a complicated nice. mechanical system. That's fascinating. Was that was that in the published in the open literature? Yeah, uh, it was uh, published in the physical review letters. Hmm. I, I think 91, 92, yeah. Was after the hmm. work by the Brazilian physicists. The Brazilian physicist hmm. was also a com complicated system. Let me just describe in two words. They took a, a small ball with by Etron iron. They put in a magnetic field, very strong magnetic field, uh, 10,000 times stronger than the Earth. Then the spins align. Then they put a microwave field to create a wave of spins. And when you increase the microwave, you get two waves, three waves superimposed. You get nonlinearity. Then they, they use tiny, tiny perturbation. They, major magnetic field, which was 100,000 100, times smaller than the initial magnetic field. And they got exactly what you want, periodic orbits, period one, period <laughs> two, period four. It was quite an incredible experiment. They published this about eight, nine months after our work. Yeah. <clears throat> so it must be nice to see experimental validation of some yes. a theoretical exercise that you have. Uh, no, you know, I should just I should just say that the experimental validation is absolutely important because, yeah. as you know, the work of Feigenbaum for period doubling cascade, he did use a mathematical construction, this nonlinear one-dimensional quadratic map, and this could be just a theoretical mathematical result. But immediately yeah. came Lipschaber in France and Paris and showed this in the Raleigh Bernard convection, very complicated experiment. And then yeah. Golub and uh, Sweeney in the uh, quiet flow. The experiments are yeah. absolutely important dynamics. Yeah. I mean, you know, many, many years ago, I kind of uh, did, did a paper on predicting chaos in a rotor dynamic system in 1990, maybe, and it was rejected. And I didn't pursue no, it, you know, we, uh, two of, 
<laughs> because they said, oh, this, it was just a theoretical model. And they said, oh, it, it doesn't make any sense. And this was pretty early. And then later on, uh, one of my, uh, later on, who became my, one of my friends, Fred Eric, he, sh- he measured it in a General Electric engine, aircraft engine. And he actually showed, you know, he, may, he, he showed that it was chaotic. And, uh, you know, then we republished it. We resubmitted it about 10 years later. <laughs> citing that as evidence that it does happen. <laughs> so, you know, because until then they would, they would be skeptical or oh, you're just fishing. So. Uh, do you know, you also the paper by the NGR, Capito String Plikers was, uh, was rejected the first time. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, it was uh, rejected and he resubmitted uh, one year or two years later. Not imme- it was not immediately accepted. So, you know. <laughs> and, yes. it? Yes. Also, the one by, also the one by Ruella Tekens was not accepted. The same oh, one really? by Ruella Tekens was not initially accepted, you know. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, that's right. Yes. I mean, that's, that's you know, many of us now are in the other end of things. We are on editorial boards and reviewers. That's so right. we should think about this a little bit before rejecting papers. That's right. <laughs> so so uh, maybe we can move on to some other some other things. Um, unless, you know, anybody wants to feel free to jump back and forth on anything. Okay. Uh, um, so some of the things I had here were... Uh, a very generic concept of impact on different fields of science, technology, economics, neurology. I think we've already maybe discussed this, uh, but if you have anything, like, you know, one of the things that I've been finding out, um, which again, maybe is common knowledge, is that in, uh, you know, uh, life is all, is impossible without chaos because our, our body thrives on, you know, neurological signals and heart signals, the big ones but probably even other things like insulin cycles and so on, not just periodic, but if the absence of chaos in indicates uh, either disease or potentially even dying uh, conditions, right? So, so it's very inherent to uh, phys- human physiology, probably animal physiology. So, you know, just, just a, like I said, I, I'll just throw out an, ob- a, an observation and then ask you what you think uh, you know, where do you think it's surprising to see chaos, in, perhaps in different areas? <clears throat> Quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics. I was going to come to that. Okay, go ahead. No, no, but we can do later. No, no. But let me just mention one thing. Do you know when, when we suggested that control, we suggested by stabilizing someone's stable periodic orbits, or stable states. No, but then we show uh, a little bit later. I did with a student that you can not only stabilize a periodic orbit, but you can stabilize a symbolic sequence. You stabilize that symbolic sequence in a power oscillator. Power oscillator is a communication channel, suddenly used for communication. And communica- communicating with chaos becomes an you know, official IEEE standard in 2012. I should just mention that. This is a spin-off from controlling chaos. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and there has been also in the past, uh, say, in addition to OGY, that of course for sure was the most famous, other let's say method that tried to. I, I'm sorry, but I'm again on exploiting chaos. I mean, using no, because you know the Chelsea yes. idea was to use the periodic uh, 
unstable periodic orbits that, be, that are inside the chaotic, uh, the chaotic regime, the chaotic attractor, let's say. Okay, that's what how it. But there was also other methods that tried to exploit in chaos, and that was the difference between the what people in control did, because you know there are people working in control that they did a wonderful job, but Absolutely. that they just died they just killed the chaos without uh, understanding what they are doing <laughs> they are just let's say of course they got a good result from a practical point of view maybe they are even better than us for sure for sure but they are not really understanding they're not really, really going into chaos that's really the why we need the name control chaos not not just contrast because it should, was exploited yeah should i mention stefan is totally right there are there are methods much better, yeah. infinite, I would say almost infinitely better. The, the initial paper, the 9,000 citations, because people developed a lot. We only suggested that as a proof of principle, I said. In, in some senses, to change, uh, I do not like to say that, but philosophically, the way we look at chaos, that we can do something, we can alter, we can... Uh, make changes, control, but people did marvelous things along those ideas, along that philosophical ideas. And you, Stefan, are co absolutely correct about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, was, I was going to say sometimes the maybe the word itself, um, especially in English, has a negative connotation, you know, chaos. Everything is chaotic, you know, it's, I, I, I cannot control, I cannot do anything, right? And that's a, perhaps, an, I mean, although it's, it's a very catchy word, it's a good word, you know, led to public, publicly, uh, uh, you know, non-specialists accepting it, but but it's rather than a periodicity or something. But uh, maybe that's not the right word. You know, maybe it should be a nicer word th than that. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Laura, you were going to say something. No, yes, but I think that indeed, uh, in many applications in medicine and uh, uh, psychoanalysis in in. Uh, uh, chemistry also, this knowledge of chaos is important just in order to control it. And so it is not just, uh, okay, we have seen that this system leads to chaos. Mm -hmm. The goal is uh, to control and to reduce, uh, to, to have something which works better than expected, especially in our brain, in the health, to our uh, medicine is doing great uh, progress uh, towards yeah. this uh, control of uh, uh, several kinds of disease by using mathematical stuff. And so just trying to model, to see what is uh, the principal, the main factor, the main parameter which is needed in order to understand what are the effects and how to control. So I think that indeed it is true that chaos has a, a kind of negative uh, uh, negative uh, okay impression, but uh, now more widely understood and more widely used, yes, yes. and uh, it is more appreciated, I would say, because uh, they know that uh, okay, a chaotic system can be controlled or can be it can be useful. So sometimes it it is useful so that 
chaotic regime, for example, for transmission, for is also chaos is used for also by itself in cryptography. In, in yes, yes. I mean, I, I, if you think about it, right? I, uh, to Stefano's point, this is the history of the way we develop things. You know, we whenever we as as we kind of we have been trying to engineer the natural world uh, for at least for the last four hundred, maybe two thousand years, and we what we don't understand we try to stay out of you know so so we, we don't understand the nonlinear phenomena so let's design a controller to keep it in the linear regime even yeah. though getting into the nonlinear regime would potentially give us much better benefits right so so I, in that sense chaos is another offset shoot of the same thing where we see chaotic phenomena oh we, we don't understand so let's see if we can control it but the next logical step is Okay, now that we understand it or understand better, how do we now use this control that was developed in order to, you know, maybe put it in a chaotic regime in uh, in uh, with some understanding? Would you agree, Celso? <clears throat> oh yeah, th this is correct. <clears throat> Even the the first experiments, because going back what uh, Laura was saying, they use uh, biological systems. The UCLA experiment, they took the heart using the AV node, AV node where you put a pacemaker, and mm -hmm. then, then what they did, they learned about the dynamics that they control. They not only control periodic states, but they remove from periodic states that could be a state of arrhythmia back into a chaotic state. And another experiment done in brain slices was done by Stephen Schiff at Children's National Medical Center in Washington. Uh, it took brain slices, and what he did, he manipulated that. He started with a slice in which the interspike were random, which is the normal function of the brain. He got into period three orbit, into period one, back into normal functioning, and uh, and that manipulation was important. It's not only getting periodic state, but getting back into a chaotic state. Because if you look at the brain, the, the periodic state is when the neurons synchronize, and it, that's epileptic state. Yes. Then you can do something people called, the engineers called, and so anti-control. So it means you have a, a periodic state, then you perturb and get a chaotic state. Even yes. today, there are papers published on that, no? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> so I, I think uh, Celso, you you commented about the uh, uh, the, re the relationship with, or the relevance to things like information. Actually, let's talk about quantum first. So maybe we talk about you. You brought up <clears throat> quantum mechanics. So yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry to, as a physicist. No, 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 please. Uh, there is a, this is a long history in some way. Uh, it started with a physicist in Berkeley, you see Berkeley, Alan Kaufman. And it started when I was there. Started some way a little bit when I was there. Uh, at that time came a physicist, Laura, Laura was talking about the Russians, uh, Chirikov. Boris Chirikov from Novosibirsk. He came and he brought a preprint in 1979 
of the paper that he published later on physics reports. And he, he brought and he showed all this marvelous work that he did on the standard map that some people know as the Chirikov map. And he gave to us. Then we studied this paper and so on. And Alan Kaufman asked one of the students to solve the wave equation, almost equation in a stadium, as a Bunimov stadium, which has chaos. And he found that the, the behavior of the solution is very funny. It's different from what you expect from an integrable system. And that was the beginning, and he published in the Physical Review Latin in 1979, was the beginning of a field called quantum chaos, which is very large, a lot of people working on that. And I'm going to accelerate to 2010, 2011, 2004, 2005. The, the British physicist uh, discovered the graphene. Graphene is honeycomb lattice. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's basically you take a pencil and a piece of paper, you do a trace and use a tape to remove that what was written in the paper. They analyze that. What happened, the, the, the electrons, the quasi-particles moving this uh, honeycomb lattice close to the speed of light. Suddenly, you could not use the, the equations of quantum mechanics, non-relativistic, which is the Schrodinger equation. You, knew, you, need to, you need to use Dirac equation. And in some sense, nobody realized. Then I founded a center in China, in was a Aberdeen Lanzhou Tempe Center. And we start working in relativistic quantum chaos, which you connect the three major pillars of the 20th century physics, which is relativity, quantum mechanics, and chaotic dynamics. And we create a new field called relativistic quantum chaos. And this became very important, the study of graphene, to study in topological insulators, in study of Dirac materials. Anyway, this is the next step of the theory of quantum chaos, which is quite important still today to study the fundamentals of quantum mechanics, also the applications. Does that um, have, a, could it have an impact on uh, the newly developing quantum computing theories? Not really. Perhaps hmm. the quantum chaos is more, uh, instead of looking, my goodness, a semiconductor physics, what you're doing, you have some devices, which is much faster. And people using graphene, for instance, for a screen of, of a television and other applications. Right. But I never seen anything related to quantum computing. Although in this study, what's happening, there is the, also what's called the entanglement of uh, wave functions, which is very important in quantum computing. Yes. But yes. we never did any connect. We no, never work any connections with quantum computing. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a very new. Uh, 
negative new field, negative new area within physics, then we don't know where it's going to take us yet. Yes, which is what's exciting, right? This would be a good time to stop and take a breather. I wish to thank again Professors Graboji, Gardini and Lenchi for a very engaging and informative discussion. This marks the end of part one of this conversation. Please do tune in to Nodicast episode four for a continuation of this exciting discussion. Also, you may want to delve into the papers that this panel and others have published to get mathematical and technical details. Finally, another reminder that Springer Nature published a special issue on chaos theory in October 2020, edited by my panelists, as well as a special issue on COVID modeling just now, that is October 2021. Theme music is called Dynamic. It was composed by Stephen William Cornish and was crafted for us by Neha Nataraj. Nodicast is supported by a generous grant from Springer Nature. We appreciate it very much and thank Anita Lekwani, executive editor of Springer, for everything she's doing to support, facilitate, and publicize these podcasts. And notably, we are deeply appreciative of Professor Walter Law Carbonara the Editor-in-Chief for his enthusiastic support and encouragement. I'm Sinadaraj from Villanova University, your host of Nodicast. For more details, including links to panelists and papers, please visit the website nodicast.org. Thank you folks for spending the better part of the hour listening to us. Now go read some non-linear dynamics papers. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye.